Welcome to Ew That's Creepy podcast. We are finishing our holiday theme with murders that occurred on New Year's Eve, and it's Melissa's turn to tell Jackie about some true crime. This episode will detail the 2006 New Year's Eve murder spree that took place around Richmond, Virginia. Trigger warning for this entire episode, as this case will discuss addictions, graphic violence, child abuse, and sexual assault. Listener discretion is strongly advised. What's up, creepy cats? Welcome back to another episode of You That's Creepy. Jackie and I are back with another holiday episode. We are getting some holiday not-so-cheery up in here today. And it's raining, so if you guys hear that, we just gave you guys some ambiance in the background. Yeah, let us know if any of you guys have experienced snow yet. We clearly haven't, and I'm really sad about it, and it's troublesome for the state of the earth. It is. But we hope you guys also had a really good Christmas or just a good holiday, no matter what you celebrate. We hope you guys are enjoying it and enjoying your December. Yeah, so in the middle of you guys enjoying your holiday, let me just fuck up your whole life and your whole day with the story. (laughs) Because this one is just heinous. It's sad, the crimes are sad, but it's one of those where, I honestly am just going to have to jump right into it, but I'm telling you now, put your triggers up, because this story is basically every disgusting thing you could think of happens in this story, so. We need to insert a noise for a trigger warning, like those horns that are like, oh my god, yeah, but then it'll sound like a beat and hype, and then we'll be like, they were tragically assaulted yeah, and murdered. That's true. <laughs> we'll have to do like a bell, a very sad, solemn bell. But so, this story that I'm going to talk about today, this is the 2006 Richmond, Virginia murder spree. So, not just one person, many. I've already never heard of this. Mm hmm. So I'll just start, I'll do that thing, you know, what they do when you watch like an oxygen show where they tell you about the, one of the first murders and then they'll take it back from the start. So on New Year's Day in 2006, a man named Johnny Hot was getting ready for a New Year's Day party that he was going to, which was hosted by his former bandmate named Brian Harvey. So Johnny Hot and Brian Harvey, they formed a band in the 1980s called House of Freaks, and Brian was singing and playing guitar, and Johnny Hot was playing the drums, and this little band, House of Freaks, they weren't even noticed by Rolling Stone at one point. Wow, get it, House of Freaks. So, like, they weren't huge, but people were saying that the small innovative steps that they took were, like, you know, replicated by bigger bands along the line, so... They weren't famous, but they were definitely well-known in Richmond, and a lot of music people in the industry knew of them. They had some clout. Yep. So that was in the 80s. Now it's 2006, and Johnny and Brian, they're still close. Like I said, Brian Harvey 
is having the party and him and his family did this every day or every day christ <laughs> they had a party every day turn up they had a party every new year's day so this was routine that they would go to it so johnny and his daughter arrive at the harvey household around 1 30 on new year's day they knock on the door but there isn't an answer which had clearly never happened before the door was unlocked, so Johnny and his daughter went inside, kind of thinking, you know, are people just in a different room? Are they partying and they don't hear us? What's up? And when Johnny opens the door, he can see that there's a huge cloud of smoke that's coming from the basement. That's concerning. Incredibly. So Johnny takes his daughter, he runs outside, he calls 911, the firefighters arrive, and they put out the blaze. And sadly, when they do, they see that there are four bodies on the basement floor. At first, they're wondering, you know, was there a tragic fire and the family was caught in the basement and they couldn't leave and it was just an accident kind of thing? But when they investigated further, I believe it was like in the yard when they removed the bodies, they could see that all four of them had been beaten and some of them had their throats cut. Oh, So definitely not a fire. And this was a husband, a wife, and their two young daughters. That is messed up. So tragic. So that is sadly the Harvey family. So let me take you back to tell you some more about the Harvey family. Even though this was a Richmond murder spree, the Harvey family is at the center of it because... One, because their entire family was murdered in this tragic accident. Two, because they were... uh, kind of wealthier white affluent people and Brian had been in this band and his well I'll just get into it so the Harvey family was made up of Brian and his wife Kathy Kathy was beautiful she was homecoming queen in high school and was voted most beautiful for her senior superlatives what a superlative I know this is like Every time you watch a crime story on Oxygen and they'll be like, she was so beautiful, she could have been a model, and she was homecoming queen, and everyone just loved her, and she didn't have a single enemy. It's like... Yeah, and it's like, okay, well then, how are, how did this happen? And now I feel horrible. Thank you for telling me about how great they were. Yeah, now I feel even worse about it. But yeah, Kathy was amazing, from what everyone said. And another reason why this case out of all the other murders today is famous is because Kathy's half-brother is famous actor Stephen Culp who was in some 80s horror movies and he he played the character Rex Vandekamp on Desperate Housewives. Wow so that was his sister? Yeah half half siblings. Still. Mm -hmm. Yeah it's pretty crazy. So while in college Kathy met Brian Harvey and people, everyone said that Kathy and Brian were both, you know, incredibly attractive and Brian had all the girls. But when he saw Kathy, he was like, oh, I need Kathy. I don't need these other girls. (laughs) So they got together and um, they were both friendly. They were beautiful. They were creative. Brian was in House of Freaks, and Kathy wouldn't go to his shows. It was really just everything you could want in a relationship. By 1990, the couple got married, and six years later, they welcomed their first child. It was a baby girl, who they named Stella. And by 2001, the couple had another baby girl, who they named Ruby. Ruby and Stella. That's so cute. Isn't it? It reminds me of, like, what are those two bunnies? Who are in a book. 
I swear the one's name is Ruby. Max. I think you're on to something. And Ruby? Is that it? <laughs> I don't know. I want to say Max and Irma's, but isn't that the restaurant? It is. I'll look it up after this. But so, yeah, they become parents. They have this great life. After they became parents, Kathy decided to... So, Brian, um, he was still in his band, but he also worked full-time on computers because being in the band wasn't enough to pay the bills. So, he was still doing his band for fun, but had a full-time job working on computers. And Kathy opened a toy in a gift store called World of Mirth. And people said it was, like, really cute and eccentric and I read in one article, someone pointed out that the store didn't sell guns or weapons or anything like that. The toys were more positive, like building and creativity kind of things. So the family bought their house and they settled down in Richmond and, you know, everyone kind of loved them. They were cute, cute little couple. She had this really cute store. They had these beautiful kids. Everything seemed perfect. As Kathy and Brian Harvey are creating their family and everything's going great, let me then just talk about someone whose life wasn't going so great. So, Ricky Gray, he was born in March of 1977 and was raised mostly in Maryland. Ricky had a really... Okay, I'll just... I'll put my trigger warnings up already, guys. Trigger warnings for this next part because... Ricky had a really abusive and tumultuous childhood. Basically, every single bad thing that could happen as a child really happened to him. By age seven, Ricky's parents and family heavily relied on drugs and alcohol, leading to Ricky being neglected and ignored. And even worse, Ricky's father frequently beat him and abused him. He later told psychiatrists that his father would use different techniques, such as he would use a belt, PVC pipes, oh my god, straps, etc. To just horrible. Like he basically went into this life and never really knew love or anything like that, especially as a child. And to make things even that much worse, Ricky was routinely and brutally raped by a half brother. And psychiatrists also said later on that the amount of abuse he received was almost like sexual slavery. Ew, I'm like... It's so disgusting. By the time Ricky Gray was eight, he was living at his father's brothel and being assaulted by the women who worked there. By age nine, Ricky had started drinking alcohol and by 11 was doing PCP. PC fucking P. I'm going to need a good cry after this episode. I can tell that much. Oh, yeah. Okay. And PCP is, as you guys know. That's pretty serious. Yes. Imagine a young mind, not even yet molded, taking such a harsh chemical. And it's not like I'm saying, like, Ricky, you're bad. No one's watching him. No one's parenting him. He's parenting himself. And And being abused to the max abused in every sense of the word it's really so sad by age 17 ricky was imprisoned with a nephew named ray dandridge for numerous petty thefts and robberies that were occurring in northern virginia so from 1995 to 2005 ricky and ray were both in and out of prison for drug and theft charges and this is when the story really picks up is when 
Ray Dandridge, the cousin to Ricky, gets out of jail. So Ricky got out of jail and he met and married a young woman named Treva. And Ricky moved in with Treva in Washington, PA, living in a home owned by Treva's mother. So apparently the couple fought all the time and the the fights were really volatile. You know, toxic couple, as we all say, but this one was like seriously abusive couple. So the two were married for about six months when Ray Dandridge, the nephew, came to live with them. He was released from prison and didn't have anywhere else to go. So Ray is released in October of 2005, and he immediately goes to live with Ricky in the wife, or in the, Jesus. They immediately go to live with Ricky in the house that he is sharing with his wife. However, Less than 10 days after Ray moves in with them, Ricky's wife, Treva, is found laying unconscious in a dish, ditch in Washington, PA on November 5th. Uh, that's not a coincidence. So Ricky's like, yeah, Ray, come move in with me and my wife. And then beat her savagely. And then 10 days later, Ricky's wife is found dead. Oh, she's dead? Yes. Oh my God. I don't know why. I thought you meant like unconscious. Like, no. So... Jeez. Treva's parents, they told police that their relationship was toxic. They immediately were like, yeah, she has a husband named Ricky. Their relationship is toxic as hell. And Treva's mother also said that she noticed scratches on Ricky's forearms when he had told them that Treva's body was found. But according to Wikipedia, Trevor And don't come for me for using Wiki. But... Wiki links that Treva's mother believes police did not make an effort to fully investigate her death. And Treva's mother said that police suggested that her death was a drug overdose. Yeah, okay. None of that is confirmed because I don't know what the police... Obviously, they're not going to say what they suspect. But clearly Treva's parents were saying that they thought it was hella suspicious that he had all these scratches and whatnot and yeah and they're already like kind of toxic yeah so Treva's mother obviously evicts Ricky and Ray because it's her house let me remind you of that it's her house and her daughter's now dead yeah and she was so afraid when she evicted Ricky and Ray that she started to board up the house at night so Police don't really look at Ricky and Ray. They kind of just... Why? I truly have no idea. But it's so sad. Like, this young, beautiful black female is found, and it kind of just seems like they didn't care. They yeah, s- I was going to say, it seems like their suspects are literally right in front of them. I mean, that's like true crime 101, is investigate the significant other. And where is there any evidence that she did drugs, that she would overdose in a ditch on a, the side of a road? Okay. Come on now. Who's doing drugs as they walk down the side of a busy road? Okay. So that was in October of 2005. By Christmas of 2005, Ricky and Ray were no longer living together, which was probably a good thing. Yeah, probably for the best. Ricky went to live with his grandmother in Virginia while Ray went to live with his father in Philadelphia. However, the two men decided to reunite for the holidays They reunite on Christmas, and I'm sure as you guys can guess, they're back on their bullshit pretty soon. Even worse this time. I'm assuming they're going to massacre everybody. How did you do? 
<laughs> so they reunite. Well, it's either kill or be killed. So yeah, honestly, on this podcast, yeah, yeah. in this episode. So they meet up on Christmas, like just have you know meet up. Hey, I haven't seen you in a minute. By New Year's Eve, for some eggnog, <laughs> for some nog and murder, <laughs> for some hot toddies. <laughs> On New Year's Eve, so freaking a week after they reunite, basically, Ricky and Ray decide that they're going to rob someone to get some extra money. So they notice a young man. His name was Ryan Carey. He was 26 years old. They're kind of just like looking, waiting around for someone who they think will be a good target. And they see this younger man and he parks his car and he gets out and they see him walking up to a house and Ricky and Ray just walk right up to him, punch Ryan Carey in the face, and demanded that he give them money. Now, Ryan just immediately gave up his wallet. He didn't want to fight Ricky or Ray. He was like, okay, just take the money then and go. But sadly, Ricky and Ray continued to beat Ryan Carey, and they even started to stab him. Each of them. What the age? Like, why? He gave you the wallet. They started to stab Ryan Two knives were broken off in Ryan's body when he was found. He was stabbed around his head, neck, and chest, along with some slash marks and things like that around his arms from trying to defend himself. Ryan was left unconscious, but he thankfully survived. He spent the next two weeks in a coma. Oh my god. He sadly permanently lost the use of his arm that had taken a lot of those slash marks. I'm so happy he survived, though. Mm-hmm. But it's so horrible. He was left with these really deep psychological scars as well as losing an arm. He can't use this arm anymore. And according to the article I got a lot of this information from, the Virginia pilot, Ryan testified in court that, quote, I could feel the knives going into the bottom of my mouth, end quote. It's so tragic and sad. Like, how do you even... How do you even try and have a normal life after that happens? Yeah, and it's like everyone's going to be like, oh, thank God you're alive. Thank God. But it's like um, the trauma. The trauma of just getting out of your car and trying to walk inside your parents' home. Your grocery store. Yeah, and it was his parents' house. Like, he still lived at home. He was just trying to go back to his parents. It's so sad. Following that attack on Ryan, Ray and Ricky, the names in those two are similar as hell. I know. <laughs> Bring me up. God. And the only reason I'm not going ham on Ray and Ricky is because of their childhood. And you know what, guys? That is why, as fucked up as the story is, it does deserve to be talked about because it's like... These what are... could have been... Like, could things have been different? Yeah. These are the things when, you know... When people have children and aren't ready to have children or take care of children or things like that, and you have a child who's neglected, abused, traumatized in every sense of the word, you know, things like this happen. Is it still his fault? Yes. But do does he deserve to also put his story out there? I think so. But let me know what you guys think. It's just tough all around. Yeah. Following the attack, Ray and Ricky, they decided to go south away from Arlington. You know, they want to be on the run and kind of just, like, escape that area. And apparently Ray had a new girlfriend. She came with them when they fled. Her name is Ashley Bakersfield. So, Ray 
his girlfriend Ashley and Ricky, now they're all on the run. Even though Ashley wasn't involved in the attack, she was just like, okay, I'll come. And the three of them head to the Richmond area, and they just decide, okay, let's look for a house to rob. Even though we just basically think we killed someone not even 24 hours ago. Let's go rob someone else. At around 9 a.m. on New Year's Day, the trio spotted a house that had the front door open and decided that this would be the best target for a robbery. Ricky and Ray left Ashley in the car and parked it a couple blocks away out of sight and I think just said, play lookout, you know. The two crept up to this house that the door was still open. They found that the heavy screen door on the front was also unlocked. So they thought, you know, like maybe they left the door open, but they locked the screen door. But tragically, both were open and unlocked. Kathy and Brian were inside the home along with Ruby, who was now four. Nine-year-old Stella had stayed overnight at a friend's house and she was not yet home. So Ricky and Ray, obviously everything I'm going to say next is horrible. So I'm not even going to give a trigger warning for one part. It's all horrible. Ricky and Ray forced the family to go down into the basement. They tied up Brian's feet with electrical cords and tied his hands behind his back. The men told the family that if they followed directions, no one would be harmed and that they would just let them go. And Ricky also later admitted to investigators that he was high on PCP during the Harvey family robbery. And like we said earlier, PCP is one of those drugs where it makes people extremely violent and horrible. So at around 10 a.m., Ricky and Ray, they had tied the family up and they were, I think, just like kind of starting to go through their items when they heard a knock at the door. The family friend who had let Stella spend the night arrived with Stella and her own daughter. And so... Kathy was able to convince Ricky, who was like the leader of the two, to let her go upstairs and get Stella. And she said that she wouldn't say anything and she would just bring Stella back down. And surprisingly, Ricky agreed. He was like, okay, you're right. That'll be safer for us to do. Go up and get her. So the woman who had Stella was a friend named Kristen Perkinson. And Kristen told police that Kathy answered the door looking pale and stressed out. And this part is so sad. Let me try and deep swallow and get through it. So when Kristen's daughter tried to follow Stella into the house and come in and play, Kathy actually blocked the door and wouldn't let the other daughter come inside. And she told Kristen that she wasn't feeling well. And Kristen has said that Kathy put a finger to her temple and moved it in a circle you know the sign for when you do like someone's crazy that she did that and was just like staring at Kristen and Kristen said that she just took her daughter and she left and she thought that she would see Kathy later in the day for the party now knowing what she knows she wonders if somehow Kathy was like trying to signal to her that there are crazy people in the house or what but was Ricky like behind her no he stayed in the basement I know so then there's the other really really sad tragedy of wondering what if what if Kathy had told her friend Kristen what if Kathy had said like 
call 911. Yeah. Go back to your car, drive away, and call 911. But Right. And now, I mean, maybe it just wasn't reported that Ricky was behind her because maybe we don't know. Yeah. Because this is all Ricky and Ray's accounts. So maybe he was standing right behind her. We really don't know. But Kristen didn't see anyone, and she, like, didn't... She said it was just Kathy. So... My I know. Broken. I know. So Stella is inside. She goes down to the basement. Ricky ties her up as well and ties Kathy back up. And Ricky and Ray start to go through the house looking for things to take. Later, Ray would say that Ricky was acting frantic and unlike himself. He would randomly become angry and he was saying things that just didn't make any sense. Obviously, we now know it's because he's high. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe it's the PCP. A hundred percent it was, but Ray, I don't think, realized at the time. He just was like, Ricky is acting crazy. When the two daughters started to become upset and scared, they started to cry, and Kathy was trying to plead with Ricky to just leave. Like, just take what you want and please just leave. And warning, it's getting even worse, guys. Instead, though, Ricky becomes increasingly panicked and paranoid. He takes out a knife and he slits Kathy's throat and then slits the throat of the other three Harvey family members. As if it couldn't get any worse, the wounds were not fatal and Ricky later said that he could see them moving and that was freaking him out. So he decided that he needed to finish the job. He got a claw hammer and... Ricky hit all of them until they were not moving. Now, I don't know. All of these accounts are saying that Ricky did all of this, that Ricky slit all of their throats and then beat them all. But I just have a hard time believing that Ray is just standing there like, uh, He's uh. probably rifling through the house. True. That's my guess. True. One's watching the victims, the other's getting stuff. Yeah, that could be. But as as far as the reports go, Ricky himself killed all four family members. And you're probably right. Ray was probably looting. After the four family members were dead, the two continued to rob the home. They took some high-priced items, such as a laptop. And they even took the fucking plate of Christmas cookies. Like, I don't know why that makes it worse, but it does. Because, like, they cooked those. And it was for their New Year's Day party. Who does not? I know. It's so frustrating. Like, you just did this, and you take the goddamn cookies. Oh, my God. So, they take the fucking cookies. I'm sorry so much because I'm just pissed. They take the cookies, and they leave, and they start a fire in the basement, assuming that by the time anyone would see that everything would be burned up. But as we know, at around 1.30, Brian's former bandmate, Johnny, arrived at the house for the party, He saw the smoke and he called the police department and that was when the police realized that holy F someone killed this entire family and there were murderers on the loose. The causes of death were confirmed to be blunt force trauma to the head for Kathy and Brian. Stella died of smoke inhalation so she was alive when they lit the fire and Ruby died of stab wounds to her back and one had even punctured a lung. I don't care, like, I understand the level of trauma and the level of things going on in your life, but to look at a child, like, it's horrible. I'm not, but I I could go on for an hour about a rant, but let me just continue. Yeah, I was going to say, I can rant, but I'm not getting you. 
So Ricky and Ray, we're not even done yet, bitch. Ricky and Ray murdered the Harvey family on January 1st. They decide to go on the run again. Ashley is still with them, almost forgot about her. She just sat in the car the whole time. So they're like, basically, Ashley, you find us somewhere to go. So Ashley calls a friend that she knew named LaToya, who lived in Chesterfield County, Virginia. And I looked, and that's about a half hour away from Richmond. So I think Ashley just called the closest friend she had in proximity. So Ashley calls a friend named LaToya, and LaToya is like, yeah, girl, come stay. But of course, Ashley shows up with Ricky and Ray. So January 3rd, um, oh my God, yeah. So one day later, they're at LaToya's house. Then by January 3rd, Ricky and Ray were also involved in another robbery. The two, accompanied by Ashley this time, knocked on a random person's door and asked for directions. It was an elderly couple. The three of them forced their way in. They ransacked the home. They took cash, a computer, a TV, other items. I think they were definitely planning to murder this older couple, but the husband told Ricky and Ray that his wife had disabilities and that he was the full-time caretaker. I think he was basically saying, like, we're not a fight anyway, you know, like... Like, literally, just take the stuff. We're not going to fight you. Yeah. But actually, Ricky and Ray left. They took pity this time, and they were like, yeah, they're not a threat. So they just took the stuff, and they left this time. Which, to me, is like, okay, so you could leave. So you don't have to murder people. Yeah, that definitely plays so much into it. So they just rob this older couple two days later and go back home to Ashley's friend's house. They're not even, like, in an apartment or a a hotel. They're staying at a friend's house and doing these robberies in the meantime. That's brazen. As the days went on, the trio who is staying at friend LaToya's apartment... They're still staying there, and LaToya now is like, okay, something's up with these three. There are news reports all over the damn place of the Harvey family murder now and the fire. And so LaToya starts to realize that the men staying in the apartment fit the description of the killers. And she even noticed a photo of the Harvey family on the laptop Ricky was using. So she was like, oh my god, that's their laptop. Like, Mm. fuck. So, LaToya... I cannot, real quick, I cannot imagine the dread that you would feel. Seeing this, like, the murder of an entire family, their children, and then... You would be sick. And then someone tried to cover it up, and now these people are in your home. Ugh. So, LaToya tells her mother, because her mother also lived in the apartment, I think her mom worked and wasn't there as much, but she told her mom, like, Mom, I think that these people are bad. I think they did this thing. On January 6th, Ricky, Ray, and Ashley finally left the apartment. I'm not sure if, like, LaToya and her mom were kind of pushing them to go. LaToya and her mom both said that, like, Ricky and Ray were extremely nice, almost too nice, suspiciously nice to LaToya and her mother. Either way, though, once they were out on January 6th, LaToya went straight to the police and told them everything. LaToya and her mother went to the police, told them about the trio, And they told the police, too, that they were terrified that the group would come back and try to rob them or take some sort of revenge if it was public that they went to the police. As I would be, too. I'd be scared to death. Not surprised. Just like Treva's parents, when she passed, they're terrified of these people. 
However, though, the trio had left because they had another target on their minds. Ashley Bakersfield's own parents. What? Lord have mercy. So Ashley Bakersfield's parents were named Percy L. Tucker and Mary Bakersfield Tucker. They were an extremely religious couple. They frequently went to church on Sundays. Perry, per, Perciel, hard to pronounce. Perciel worked as a forklift driver, and he loved to bake pies in his spare time. Oh, so cute. And Mary worked at a dry cleaning mat. So Ricky, Ray, and Ashley came up with this plan to tie up Ashley's parents and rob the house. They also agreed to tie up Ashley and. They were telling Ashley that it was going to look that she was a victim and stuff like that. I don't, I'm not sure if Ashley was going to like escape and call the police later, if that was what their intention was. But what Ashley didn't expect was that Ricky and Ray were planning to double cross her. I knew that was coming. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of us did. Ashley and her parents were tied up. Duct tape was wrapped around their mouths. Ashley had a plastic bag over her head as well, and the three family members had all suffocated due to the amount of duct tape that was placed on them. Perciel and Mary also had their throats cut. For some reason, after them, this part is so strange. For some reason, after Ricky and Ray called Latoya, who they didn't even know, who was Ashley's friend. They call Latoya back and they tell her that Ashley had, quote, gone bye-bye, unquote. I have no words. I'm yeah. so creeped out. And she's already horrified, like, oh my god, these people are going to come like, back and get me. she knows they killed that family. And then like they that. get a call and they're like, hey, how you been? By the way, Ashley's gone bye-bye. And she's just like, uh, okay. I would go into hiding. Latoya and her mother, specifically her mom, because her mom at this point was like, oh, hell no. One, I'm terrified, and this is ridiculous. Yeah. She calls police a second time and is like, uh, yeah, those people we told you we were really worried about, they just told us they killed someone. <laughs> yeah, we're actually really worried about them again. Yeah. Hey, us again. How you been? We've been bad. Yeah. The police, they thankfully took the women seriously because they were claiming murder at this point. <laughs> So, police decide to go to the Bakersfield Tucker home, and unfortunately, they find that, indeed, Ashley had been murdered. Her parents were deceased. The house had been ransacked to hell and back, and the family's car was missing. So, now at least, though, the police were like, okay, Ricky and Ray, they have to have this car. Ricky and Ray planned to drive to Ray's father's home in Philadelphia, I'm not sure, like, what their plan was, if they even had one at that point. And I'm not sure how police knew that it was Ricky and Ray. And they somehow knew that maybe just by logistics and figuring it out, that Ray would most likely run to his father's home. So on January 7th, the day after Ashley Bakersfield Tucker and her family were found dead, police stormed the Philadelphia home of Ray's father. Ray surrendered peacefully and was taken into custody. Ricky tried to hide and he was found behind a water heater. It's not funny, but just like imagine a grown man just like trying to shrivel up behind a water heater. I know, like it's not going to work. No. 
Surprisingly, both Ricky and Ray admitted to police what they had done the same day of their arrests and provided very detailed confessions. It took Ray one hour to confess and took Ricky uh, about 12. So it did take Ricky... 12 hours? Yeah. Oh my god. But this is still... like 12 minutes. No. This is still the, the same day though. You know, a lot of people are like, at least... I didn't do it for a week or so, but no, Ricky and Ray admitted to it. At least they made um, everyone's lives easier. Yeah. Ricky admitted to killing the Harvey family with a kitchen knife and a claw hammer. He did admit to beating his wife, his ex-wife Treva to death (gasps) during an argument. He claimed Ray held her down, I guess, and he attacked her. And they also admitted to attacking Ryan Carey on New Year's Eve. Both men also admitted that Ashley had served as an accomplice and a lookout during the robbery, but Ricky had become tired of her, and during the robbery at her family's house, they just decided to kill her. Wasn't, wait, wasn't she Ray's girlfriend? Yeah. And Ricky. I keep forgetting. For some reason, I thought she was like, I don't know. Wow. That is, that's another thing I wonder, too. Like, Ricky was just like, yeah, she got on my nerves, and we decided to kill her. Did Ray just not give a shit? It seems like Ray's a yes man. Yeah. But honestly, at the same time, he might have been so scared after seeing Ricky rage on PCP. Yeah. And that family when they were supposed to just be robbing and not pillaging. Right. It's not funny, but robbing and pillaging. Truly. But yeah, so I'm I'm really not sure, but I guess Ray just didn't care enough about his girlfriend and just agreed with it and went on with Ricky's plan to kill her. So, obviously, this case was huge at the time. A majority of the media attention is focused on the Harvey family. And I totally get it. They, those were the children that were murdered. They were totally, you know, innocent and everything. The community was shocked that an innocent family was just murdered in their own home with their children. Like, it took a lot of people's safety away. Yeah. Over 1,400 people showed up to the memorial service for the Harvey family. There were a lot of candles and dolls and children's toys placed outside the home to show their respect. And I just want to really quick throw in my personal opinion because I don't think that it's unjustified to give the Harvey family that much attention. It just bugged me a tiny little bit that like Treva's family didn't get any justice for her and the Bakersfield Tucker couple, you know, like they're a small paragraph at the end of a story about the Harvey family. Yeah, it seems like everyone should just get equal amounts of airtime when Mm -hmm. there's three families that are victims to this. Right. Like, Ashley might have had the intention to set her parents up, but her parents were totally innocent. A totally great older religious couple. So, I just want the same level of respect and justice to be given to them as well. So, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and I think it goes without saying we all know how the media gives out their attention exactly exactly but playing devil's advocate i do see that both kathy and brian harvey had ties to like famous people kathy's uh half brother was somewhat famous brian had this band that was like making small waves yeah i get it they're both affluent yeah but you guys get what we're saying we need the same respect and attention for everyone every victim just sprinkle a little bit of equality into the mix just a sprinkle So, both men went to trial in Richmond, Virginia in late 2006. 
Here is a quote um, straight from Wiki detailing the pair's charges. So, quote, on December, Jesus, quote, on February 9th, 2006, Gray was charged with five counts of capital murder in the Harvey family killings. One charge for killing more than once in a three-year period. One charge for committing more than one killing in a single act. One charge for killing in commission of a robbery. And two charges for killing a child under 14 years of age. On the same day, Dandridge was charged with three counts of capital murder in the Tucker-Bakersfield killings. The third count was later amended to include Dandridge's role in the Harvey family killings. End quote. Since when were there charges for committing two murders in more than a three-year period. Yeah, I don't think anyone who committed the first murder is going to be scared off to not commit that second one by that charge. Like, what criminal is like, oh, damn, I gotta wait another month or I'll get that one more charge tacked on there. I don't know who thought that law was a good idea. Yeah, but I was like, okay, I'm putting that quote in there because that's weird. Both men initially pleaded not guilty... Truly, what was the defense? Why? I mean, you already admitted to it. Towards the end of their trial, Ray, he did decide to plead guilty to the charges. And he he pled guilty in exchange for a life sentence because obviously they were seeking the death penalty here. Ricky did not plead guilty and decided to take his chances. He argued in court and his, his defense argued in court basically that... Um, Ricky and they did admit that he was guilty, but they said that Ricky's use of PCP greatly influenced the murders and that his long history of abuse throughout childhood should be taken into consideration. They were pleading not guilty, but I think that they were really just trying to like take the death penalty off the case because they weren't really like giving any sort of Ray did it or anything. They were just saying they just wanted to give some mitigating circumstances. Yeah, they basically just said he had a really abusive childhood, which led him to use PCP, which led to this violent behavior. However, though, Ricky shouldn't have taken his chances because he was found guilty on all charges and the jury did recommend the death penalty for the murders of Ruby and Stella Harvey. The judge agreed and Ricky Gray was sentenced to death. Now, there was a lot of like last minute battles and arguments brought to the judges in the the Supreme Cream. God, the Supreme Court to go back on the death penalty. You guys know how it is. Like when someone, the closer it gets to someone's execution, a lot of legal documents and things are thrown down to slow it. Yep. But they were not successful. On January 18th, 2017, Ricky Gray was executed. Ray Dandridge currently is serving his time at Keene Mountain Correction Center in Oakwood, Virginia. And one last note to throw in. In December 2006, police named Ricky as a person of interest in the murder of Cheryl Warner. Cheryl was a woman in her late 30s. She was found hanged by an electrical cord in her burning home. Gray pleaded not guilty and in 2008, the charges were dropped due to contradictory evidence. So like that one is really questionable. It seems definitely in Ricky's sort of like bracket to murder someone and then try and burn their house down. But there wasn't concrete evidence. So he was never charged with that. But that's just something that people say he could have also committed other murders. Uh, And the only positive note I can really end on is that 
There have been a ton of memorials created for the Harvey family, and there have been some musicians who have made songs about Brian Harvey and, like, thrown in just little tidbits about the Harvey family in their songs since Brian was such a, a influential, innovative musician. That did break my heart. Like, what... The it's, whole family, like, literally, for what reason? And it's so sad. Like, it is one of those stories where just, it's so sad. Like, Ricky, on one hand, is a monster. It's just, like, how can you do that to so many people? But I'm sure it's, like, he probably his whole life was thinking, how can people do this to me? Exactly. Who actually knew and loved me. Exactly. So, it does, it really makes you think, like... It just makes you think about these cases. It makes you think about, you know, I wonder how Ricky's parents felt after, if anything, if they even realized the weight of their actions caused in one way or another these reactions. I don't know, but it was just like so much, so many tragic things just happening. And I could not believe I'd never heard of the story of like a entire week long murder spree. Yeah, me either. But I'm going to have to look this up after yeah and it's really sad it's really sad too that treva is just like overlooked basically because she was the first of ricky's victims and they couldn't confirm it like where's justice who got beat up yeah ryan who can't even use his arm anymore like how do you ever live after that let me know if you guys have heard of this story let me know if you guys have heard of you know kathy or brian or anything like that Um, If you want to look at pictures of Ray, you can see where Ray Dandridge is at now. He is still incarcerated. Uh, You know, look up some of the victims of the families and keep their memories in your heart, guys. It's really tragic for everyone. It hurts my heart. Well, go get into something positive now, guys. Let us know if you guys like these holiday themes. Let us know if you're like, no, I want my holidays to stay positive. We are thinking about you guys. Oh, wait. I'm just going to say this. I just looked up. I wanted to see a picture, but I'm going to read this because I'm literally Googling as we're finishing up. But, what website is this? Uh, I don't know. It's just on Google. It's WRIC.com. So I guess like when they asked Ricky, you know, before his execution, he did say remorse is not a deep enough word for how I feel. I know my words can't bring anything back, but I continuously feel horrible for the circumstances that I put them through. Damn. I've stolen Christmas, birthdays, Easter's, Thanksgivings, graduations, weddings, children. There's nothing I can do to make up for that. Wow. It's, it's sad because like, it's, like, in a way, I do believe he feel I he felt remorseful. In a way, I do believe he feels that. Because a lot of the times, these killers don't apologize or even say anything remotely heartfelt. On the other hand, it's hard to feel... It's hard to feel emotion for someone who killed so many innocent people and who did this to children and set a fire when they were still alive. Yeah, like, it's always good to know that... They're they're sorry, and that maybe it would have been different if they weren't on drugs. But nothing brings back what the people you've killed, and nothing changes the reality that you've created. Now, Mm -hmm. I get that your childhood was out of your control, but these were all one hundred percent your own doing. Mm -hmm. But 
all I'm gonna say is that I'm sure that's something that he thinks about and lives with every single day. Well, he doesn't now because he's gone, girl. Well, that's true, but I'm sure. But Ray, yeah. Ray, is something, and I mean, I'm sure that's something that Ricky. He still had family out there, so mm-hmm. it's still something he can never see his family again. So it's horrible, but crimes too. When people are on PCP like slightly interests me because pcp is just so scary and dangerous and violent like imagine an 11 year old child starting pcp like yeah i don't want to oh god it's tragic (sighs) well let us know what you guys think uh sorry about the gentle rain i hope you guys liked it but we there was no way to stop it it's storming like crazy here but yeah that is the Richmond, Virginia murder spree. It is. Let us know what you guys thought about that. I hope you guys are still having a great holiday. And we're going to start off a kick-ass 2022, baby. Yes, it'll be great. And we will all be safe and happy in the (laughs) new year. That's what I wish for everybody. Safety (laughs) and happiness. Thank you guys for listening to You That's Creepy. We love you. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.